0: How's it going? Susan Ruth here. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hey Human Podcast. This is episode 234 and I had a conversation with Melody Guy. She suffered a brain injury that was quite traumatic and happened in the craziest way. Uh, I want to give a trigger warning for this episode because we also talk about uh, sexual abuse and I know that that's an issue of course for for people and just want to give a heads up so that you are prepared to hear that information it's not gory details or anything like that but it does come up i want to remind everyone again that i am recording the next few weeks of preambles for the podcast ahead of time i'm doing them all in one day so i do not know the outcome of the election and this episode of course is going to come out after the election Um, I have a high level anxiety about the whole thing. I'm just trying to get through to the other side, but I'm going to go and see my family and that's going to be really great. And I'm going to be, of course, I've taken one COVID test already. I've got another one scheduled and then I'll be able to see my parents. I'm excited about that. In other news, uh, I don't know if I mentioned this last week, but my dad's third book in the Margaret Pirate series is out on Amazon under Martin March, and this one is called The Pirate's Apprentice. So book one was Outrageous Fortune. Well, technically, it's Margaret, Outrageous Fortune. The second one is Benediction and Blood. And then this, again, is The Pirate's Apprentice. So if you're into adventure books, women leads that are strong, definitely check it out. Um, I also want to mention that on November 15th from 7pm to 9pm, I'm going to be moderating a great group for the Seattle Film Summit. The summit itself runs November 2nd through the 22nd if you're interested, which there's a lot of really great information for all levels of the film industry, television industry. Go check that out at Seattlefilmsummit.com and and get all the info you need to sign up and watch on Zoom. You can see all the panels, so you won't have to even worry about you know how you go to, to events and you're like, ah, I can't be everywhere at once. What am I gonna do? I have to pick my favorite things. In this case, you get to see all of it, which is very cool. So check that out. Another news, social media, Hey Human Podcast is on Facebook, Instagram. And Susan Ruthism, that's my personal one, is Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can reach me, Susan, at heyhumanpodcast.com. Rate and review Hey Human on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It's really helpful for the algorithms. Please, if you enjoy the show, take the time and and give a review. I really uh, it would be great if you did that. Uh, there is now a storefront at heyhumanpodcast.com where you can get heyhuman merch that i have designed and this you know a handful of things and it really helps support the show so definitely check that out. Uh, susanruth.com if you want to learn more about my other uh, my other artistic endeavors and yeah also you can sign up on the mailing list there. Check out the links page on heyhumanpodcast.com where i put information about every week's guest. So I want to bring up again last week I had Dr. Jack Brown and he wanted he was talking about some body movements he's a body language expert and I recorded that section visually and it's on YouTube under my YouTube so definitely check that out if you want to see what he was talking about and there's a couple minutes during the whole of the episode where he he gives a visual representation. So if you missed that I said that last week's preamble, now you're hearing it. If you skip through the preamble, then I don't know what to say. <laughs> you won't know. But I'll keep letting you know for the next couple of weeks at least. Okay, that's about it. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. Be kind, be well, stay safe. Here we go. Melody Guy, welcome to Hey Human. Hey. Thanks for Good being to see here. see you. You too. You too. You look great. Oh, thanks. You and I met actually quite a long time ago, I feel like, in music circles. And yeah. I keep up with you here and there on the old Facebooks. Um, well, I mean, here and there, I see you in my feed and, and obviously know what's going on for the most part. Although the thing that I want to talk to you about today took me by surprise when I read it. I had no idea. And we'll get into that, so, and, and okay. I'm really looking forward to talking about that because it was wild, and probably is still wild, uh, but I want to start actually with you as a, a, where you came from and and that kind of thing. So where did you grow up?
1: Um, well, I was born in Portland, Oregon, and then we moved to uh, uh, Simi Valley when I was about three years old. My parents were uh, printers, and I started singing when I was about five years old. I was listening to um, the big record players, you know, that were under this. uh, It was under the stairs, and um, I would sit there with Judy Garland and Patsy Cline and Three Dog Night, and I would I would try to sound like them. I'd put my hand up to my ear, and um, so I I was born melancholy. So I, I think I really identified with that music. So,
0: did you have a musical family, a creative family?
1: My dad. My dad played, his name was Bobby Joe Guy, and he had made a couple of 45s. And um, so his first one, he didn't know that he needed two songs to put on a record. So he wrote the second song out in front of the record company um, in 20 minutes, and they played it, and it was awesome. (laughs) But yeah, so I would play, my dad would would have me sing uh stop the world and let me off you know uh crazy and anyway so he helped me learn how to play as well um he would say get your daddy another beer and i'll teach you another song so that's (laughs) not i learned how to play guitar
0: that's a country song in and of itself i think
1: (laughs) Uh, yeah it is i wrote a song about him uh, a year after he passed away and it it's called When He Wasn't Drinking. And Melanie Sofka, you you know Melanie, I've got a brand new pair, of you know, she she's singing harmony on it. And it still kills me. It just yeah, uh, it's awesome.
0: That's a lovely tribute. Is your mom yeah. still with us?
1: Yes, mom is still alive and she is living in Portland, Oregon. My kids, everybody lives in Portland, Oregon. And I live in Spring Hill, Tennessee.
0: Yeah. Spring Hill is where I got my, my dog Mikey, who has passed away okay. since, but that's oh. where he came from. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I rescued him in Spring Hill. It's good, good... Nice. Yeah. Um, you, before the internet's got all wonky there, you said that you grew up in a publishing family. Was that music publishing or print media? Uh,
1: it was actually newspaper. My dad was a prep uh, uh, manager for the Herald Examiner. And yeah, and then my mom also was, she was like the fastest typer I've ever seen in my life. She was amazing. And she ended up having like this really high powered job at Xerox and then this French company when travel all over. And um, so I was a big fan of the strength that she exhibited, you know, going out there as a woman, um, getting it done with all the sexism and all this stuff. Yeah. That- on especially back then you know
0: yeah i was just gonna say back then and more than anything that that's a feat in and of itself i think how long have you been in nashville
1: i moved here in 2005 but i had been coming since 1997 so i had gotten married okay i got kidnapped at gunpoint (laughs) when i was 19. what yeah it was in the valley actually it was uh was on oxnard street in sherman oaks uh and yeah he took me put a gun to my head it was a long experience but um whoa whoa, whoa. uh, before you go on what happened you can't just be like oh well by the way i got kidnapped at gunpoint and the sky is blue (laughs) but um yeah so um i went there to pick up my friend for beauty school because i went to beauty school and um So she didn't answer the door when I knocked, it was where her boyfriend rented a room. And so um, when I, when the guy opened the door, it was this guy I've never seen there before. And he put a gun to my head and "You're coming in. So it was like a 24 hour or longer ordeal. And it was mentally abusive and strange, but I watched police woman a lot back in the day and she had this cool demeanor i just kind of like emulated what you know angie dickinson would do what would she do you know so i just kept my mouth shut and i was you know not real emotional i just went into shock kind of thing you know and uh eventually um uh the guy had drugged himself and his friend made a deal with the police that my mom was all wired for sound and and they uh, dropped me off, and they said, "Run this way." And then I uh, was in Westwood, and there's a lot of cops that just, just like in the movies, right? And then uh, my mom ran out, and uh, I told him, "I'm like, get me out of here!" You know, it's like they said they're gonna kill me. You know, so I, uh, I, I, you know, told them the story, but they let the guy out uh, within eight hours. They said, "Do not pursue this. It's not worth your life."
0: So was he a was he a drug dealer or something? And he just you happened to be at the wrong place at the
1: wrong time. Yeah, exactly. And I don't even think he knew what he was doing. I think that he was just rolling with his high. I don't know, but it was uh, it was strange. And you know, I tried to get on with my life because I had to. No therapy, no nothing. You just shocks stay alive you know what i mean and so i i don't drink i don't smoke i don't do any drugs because i've always had to stay alert from day one when i was a kid and i'm just a nice person and i i just love people Mm -hmm. and i am always still shocked when people do crappy things you know when people are abusive or whatever. And uh, I think that that has gotten me into trouble in the past of being too trusting and watching too many romantic comedies. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Some um, my be- friends will come, you know.
0: <laughs> after being yeah. kidnapped at 19, I would think that would absolutely taint your vision of the world.
1: Yeah, um, I've gotten, I, there's, I mean, that's the, just the beginning of the story. That's the thing is that uh you would think if i was smart enough i would have um been able to see the signs and that's something that i went through emdr therapy and i used like it, there was like 10 big things that i attacked um that day in the session cuz i could only afford one session but that was one um abuse when i was a child was another one um some real like my grandmother said to me you're fat. <laughs> that was another one. Um, you know, just when somebody says one thing and it and it keeps with you and your spirit, and you're just like, I'm this. I'm not that. But you struggle with it, and I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> now I don't care. But um, it's. I feel like sharing my story or stories helps other people that have been through it because I would have liked to have known in all of these instances that i was not alone i have i have felt like that my whole life that no matter how many people were around me that said that they cared about me that they couldn't actually come through with the goods when it, when it mattered you know
0: yeah what what was the child abuse stuff can you talk about that
1: um I was uh, sexually abused uh, by uh, somebody I knew um, when I was little, and uh, so that was nine to eleven. And then I was um, beaten up quite a bit by the person, and um, an emotional uh, abuse. And then um, so, like, it was damaging in the way that I always thought that it was my fault. And any time that it happened, um, it was my fault. Um, and then, <clears throat> um, but with EMDR, you know, it's just like the sky is blue, this happened. EMDR, after all these years, um, I got it well, three years ago, um, it, erased the pain away from it. So I no longer feel, um, that that is a trigger for me or any, you know, um, it happened. Um, but it, I feel like telling the story, like I said before, can help other people like this is not a death sentence just because something happened to your physical body does not mean that your spirit has to absorb it or feel that strange, hatred for yourself and that that's what it was is a a strange kind of it must be me i'm tainted um and then i i went to the mormon church and i my sister had joined the mormon church and so i wanted to have a perfect buttoned up life like she did for the moment she had it for a moment (laughs) it wasn't (laughs) didn't last so um when i went in and told um, cause a- another instance that happened, I, you know, I grew up in Simi Valley. So, uh, Simi Valley, w- there was a lot of weird stuff going on in that town. Um, I, you know, I love my, my old schoolmates and, and stuff, but, um, you know, it's just like, there's a lot of weird things. It was all, it all looked good from the curb. Um, but it was it was super painful. Can you explain to the listeners
0: what that technique is that you did?
1: Eye movement desensitization reprocessing. So what they do is you bring up that horrible painful thought like um somebody said you're fat or and it sticks with you and you hate yourself forever. So she says, Bring that up. And you think about it, and then you put that memory on the train station platform. You get in the train, and in, and you watch this LED lights go back and forth. And she says, as soon as the lights start, you just go on the train. So you're thinking about whatever comes to your mind. If it's a bunny rabbit, if it's any. so what it does, it gives that that file too much information, so it 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 disrupts the. The thinking in it. So you can't feel that emotion from that thing. And um, a lot of um, soldiers with PTSD have gone through it. Um, and drug addicts, it really helps with uh, drug addiction and, you know, child abuse. And I just wish that more people knew about it because it honestly saved my life. Um, because over the years I have been Suicidal, what's the point? You know, nobody would miss me. It would be better if I was gone. But that's not true. Um, um, so anyways, I just I found out from my first producer who went um through horrible car accidents and his hip bone was like taken out and he had to sit there till it healed because of MRSA. And I mean he was laid up for years, years. And he had emdr and he was just he was just happy it's like <laughs> and so i'm
0: like i'll give it a shot why not did the perpetrator of your childhood abuse uh did they get
1: caught um i'd rather not say um but i i have forgiven and um and that's yeah so nobody nobody really paid any price except mm-hmm. So, and it's, you know, it's been a series. And you would think, sometimes I, I think about all of the things that I've been through and I add them up and people that know me go, how do you even not be a drug addict? How do you not go over the edge? And I'm like, well, if I'm, if I'm sitting still, nothing's gonna happen to me. Obviously I've been living a lot of life. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. so just like getting knocked out in a bar or having the (laughs) the big brain injury um you know if i'm sitting still if not if i'm not doing anything then i'm not going anywhere and not learning anything and so for some reason my spirit needed to learn a bunch of lessons um and i i don't think now this is where you know the secret and everything they're like oh you asked for these situations that's uh baloney. <laughs> I know I didn't ask for a lot of this stuff. So loving the wrong guy a couple of times to five, you know, you fool yourself. And that's on you, you know, sometimes. But yeah, I just feel like I'm proud of myself for for getting up and not accepting the diagnosis of, you know, all this stuff happened to you. So you're gonna have a shit life forever.
0: How did you get knocked out in a bar?
1: <laughs> um, okay, so I was playing at this bar, the Brass Rail in Portland, Oregon, and this lady had come in with her sister and they were on like meth and drinking at the bar. And there's 30 people, everybody was listening. They were clapping and I'm like, yeah, this is a great sharing experience, right? And uh, the owner of the bar went up to her <laughs> the lady and said, Hey, you know, all these people are here to hear Melody. She came from Nashville and she started they started a fight back and forth. So first the owner got punched and then they took it outside. And the owner had been in prison before. So she was kind of <laughs> she could, you know, and so they called the cops and then she said, Don't let anybody in. And so this big guy who was like hagrid he was like big like hagrid right um so i just stood there because i just want to be a helper and i stood there too and i don't know why i did but she came up to the door and uh she just took her big fat fist she looked like a a short bodybuilder, and uh she knocked me out. So it moved my jaw, moved my teeth. And I'd I'd had um um jaw surgery, upper and lower osteotomies. They broke my face and put it back together before when I was a kid because of a deformity, right? And so I was like thinking about, oh no, the screws, I'm gonna have to have that surgery again. But she I was knocked out. So I saw green and white lights. I was down for the count. And uh I got back up and somebody said Melody guy can take a punch. (laughs) And and what I did is I got up and I sang for two and a half hours. So I would get paid. People were tipping. Then I went to the hospital. Oh my God. And they're like, yeah, you have a, a really bad concussion. Your bell got rung. And I was stuttering then too. So I had to recover from that. Then a couple years later, that was in 2013. Then I had the, um, the experience yeah let's
0: heard. let's get into that and also
1: <laughs> melody guy can take a punch has to
0: be the <laughs> name of your next record <laughs> and maybe even actually for sure this episode um, yeah. tell us about what happened uh, the the experience as you call it
1: um okay so i was in the back of bobby's idle hour parked in my chevy astro van and i was putting on my makeup because my friend scott was doing a video shoot and just getting ready and i was in the last parking spot and there was a uh an electrical pole that was about a parking space away and all of a sudden i heard this you know explosion and i grabbed my head and i I looked for blood. I think I was out for a second, but I, I thought that my head got blown off and um, everything that wasn't protected by the seat, like I had a really bad neck ache. Um, and my window was open, unfortunately, and uh, but the blast was and you could hear it for blocks around. I mean, friends that told me later they like hit the ground and they were walking on Sixteenth Avenue, so people came out of the buildings and. I looked around and I thought that we were under attack um, because it was the same day that Manafort got arrested <laughs> and those guys, right? So I'm like, oh my gosh. And so I grabbed my purse, ran into Bobby's and uh, and I looked back and there was fire and the lights were out in and Bobby's. And, um, and I saw the fire, and I moved my van, and then within a half an hour, I lost any semblance of regular speech. My friends were saying, you've got to go to the hospital, you need to go to the hospital. They didn't take me, but they're like, you need to go to the hospital. Why I didn't mean, they take you? <laughs> Music friends, right? Oh, man. <laughs> but So the, did,
0: they, did you know that the transformer above you had blown up?
1: Yes, I, I knew that because I saw it on fire, and I called. And yes, because they told me, uh, my friends had told me that you need to call them, tell them you were hurt. And um, so I did, and I told them that there's something wrong with me. I'm sure I said other words, but I don't remember, but uh, they gave me um, some numbers or something, and I went to the uh, uh, clinic towards my house. So I don't even know how I got there. And that's scary. But they said, when I got there, they said, we can't treat you. We think you have bleeding on the brain. You need to go to the hospital. Do you want us to call an ambulance? And the, the funny thing is, is that I had a brain injury. So how could I make decisions for myself? You know what I mean? Yeah. And you didn't have a friend with you or anything. No, I'm I'm okay. super um independent, but you know, so I called my friend, I'm like, hey, and then I put him on the phone with the doctors and he's like my brother. So he took me to the hospital and they kept saying, Your bell is rung. <laughs> I was saying stuff like Uh, You know, I'll be okay, I'll be okay. Just shake it off, you'll be fine, you'll be fine. (laughs) I wasn't fine, (laughs) but I was saying weirder stuff than that, but I can't, um, but I do know that it took at least a month before, a month and a half before I could uh, sing. Speaking was not good, um, but I mean, I sang one song, and my head was burning for two months. Nobody came and helped me. My friend, Joe Johnston, who's a pretty famous publisher, writer and uh, stuff, um, he called somebody who lived in my town and she came and she brought me, I remember she brought me peanut butter cookies and a casserole. But, I mean, she was busy, but nobody, even my like, n- nobody understands brain injuries. They're just like, oh, your head's okay. There's no blood coming out of it. You so know? what do they think happened when the
0: transformer blew? Was it uh, like a mortar blast in a way that it gave you a
1: concussive? Yeah, blast wave concussion. Um, so the, the blast, um, I spoke to a, um, a guy who got blown up in the war. And he said, we have the same thing. He's, he's like, it's like a bomb. It's like 40,000 bolts or, or, um, I don't know how you put it, but he's, it was, you know, the, the um, power from the blast, um, does damage, uh, to soft things (laughs) like your brain. (laughs) So it racked me and the power from the blast moved me forward. I don't remember hitting my head, but I could have. Um, I, I I know that the way that they were talking to me in the doctor's appointment with the um, neurologist, he says, it's just, you know, there's nothing we can do. We just have to see where it ends up. Wow. Um, so he's like staying in a dark place, no light, no phone, no just cognitive rest they didn't give me any pills other than they which i think is wrong they gave me like a high-powered acetaminophen so i'm like advil or whatever ibuprofen so that can cause your blood to thin that's not good. If you have bleeding in the brain, you do, and it's microbleeding. so...
0: Which doctor so, did you go to? This sounds like a terrible <laughs> doctor.
1: It was uh, St. Thomas, somewhere over at St. St. Thomas in Nashville.
0: Had lightning but, struck, or did the transformer go on its own?
1: What they said um, at NES is they said a squirrel got in between the lines and and started this that that all it takes is a small animal to spark um to do an arc and but i have there was a big transformer that blew up that same day earlier downtown and it was like a big big one but this was on a pole with two fuses and um and there was fire so It's just uh, remarkable that they wouldn't help me. And um, so I lost out on, you know, a couple of thousand dollars of work. And I support my adult son who's got, who's in the autism spectrum. And so it was a drag. But then again, you know, with all these life experiences that I've had, I, I'm like, nothing is actually fair. (laughs) I mean, there's, I mean... Nothing is really fair, uh, so I can't expect life to be fair in that instance as well.
0: How long did it take for your brain to get to a? Is it still heading toward a place? This was how many years ago now? Three, four, five? Three years. Three years.
1: Okay. I still have dizziness when I when I do this. I, you know, um, I am not as steady on my feet. I have to, um, a lot of times, especially when I'm tired, I really need to concentrate on what other people are saying. And, and sometimes words don't hit my brain like they should. Um, so I I really have to work hard with communication and then I- Yeah, frontal
0: frontal lobe damage, it sounds like you have. Yeah.
1: My neighbor across the street, he had come over to look at the paver patio I made, (laughs) and uh, he was saying something, and I started to, you know, and then he mocked me. And I feel so proud of myself that I said, hey, wait a minute, I had a brain injury. It takes me longer to get my words out sometimes. And I, you know, could you give me a break? And he felt so bad. But still, anybody who's gonna mock anybody- Yeah. I have no time for it anymore, especially the um, existing climate that we have going on. Absolutely. Have <laughs> you gone to brain specialists since this happened? I don't have health insurance. I used to oh. have Obamacare. But um, uh, my income dropped below the mark for me to to uh, qualify for it, so I don't have health insurance. So I have no way of getting help. So I just—I mean, I am scrappy, and I—I I mean, I had to go out there um like it was three months after it happened i had to go out and do um a tour for this new product in guitar centers and uh thank goodness the people that i was going on tour with understood and um that i was dizzy and that i but i i sold more of this particular product i won't say what it is than any of the other artists that were doing it um even with this brain injury. So I'm amazing. <laughs> uh, I feel I feel proud of myself that I, sometimes my personality, like I said, can, uh, I've got a sense of humor. So if I'm stuttering, I'm like, eh, you know, what are you gonna do? I yeah. mean, it's hard to be How a person. How did you take care of your son while you were recovering? Well, my son lives with my mom and I pay his rent. So he has health insurance in Oregon. Um, If he lived here, he wouldn't have health insurance. Also, the school that he's going to is in Oregon. And I used to live there, Um, but they like it better there. And I've had this house and kept it, um, renting out rooms and and stuff and and going on the road. So this is the most I've been home in a long time. But, um, and so, yeah, basically I just um, lived in my van, nine months out of the year and went back and forth from Oregon to here and you know i'm i'm tougher than i give myself credit for sometimes how
0: are you uh finding a way to support yourself right now when there are no touring musicians um
1: i have um i started painting oh this is the post-traumatic growth part right so i my friend had given me a paintbrush and paint at a gig that I was playing at a resort and she's like, Hey, you want to paint with the kids? I'm like, sure. And she goes, that looks like Van Gogh. I'm like, what does Van Gogh look like? (laughs) I don't know. And uh, so I started painting and then people were buying my paintings. So, um, and then we got some unemployment and, um, and fans have, when I go on live, um, you know, fans have been tipping which is great and they've really supported um robert and his gofundme um which is which is awesome
0: robert um, is robert your
1: son robert my son yeah yeah he's he's so funny he's the warmest wonderful person i just am so proud of him yeah so he's almost there how old is he uh, He's 28, and so when I mean almost there, he's almost gonna graduate from this program. And so it's a web development um, school that he got kind of a scholarship to through Fidgetech, which they help train autistic people um, for jobs. That's great. Yeah, they believe in him. But yeah, he was there when I got a standing ovation for Mistakes Like Me at the Ryman. He was younger then. Um, That was in 2006 and I opened for Tanya Tucker. And um, it was awesome. He was like, spank you, spank you very much. Out in the crowd, he was taking bows. (laughs) But like, yeah, that was an experience. And me personally, like if I got through the eighth grade, I mean, with the uh, abuse that I survived, And the learning disabilities that I have, I did not do well in school. Um, But my skills are not um, school oriented anyway. (laughs) You know, I I think that um, I was trying to figure out the other day, um, and I posted online I'm like, what are my skills? If I was going to uh, apply for a job, what would my skills be? So this has gotten worse since the brain injury. So I can't do paperwork. Like there's a lot of grants that I could figure uh, to um, apply for. I I get overwhelmed doing paperwork. Reading is really difficult for me, but I can write songs. I can sing. I can paint and I can make off in a grocery store
0: different parts of your brain, sure, sure, yeah it's yeah. A, that's really always to me the most fascinating thing about the brain. sometimes it figures out how to rewire places that are atrophied, and other times uh, when those things are lost, the other parts of the brain spike in their capabilities, right, which is how we get let's say savants right
1: yeah, so I never thought that I could do any art at all. And so every painting is different. And uh, like I did this painting, it was like three d flowers. I'm like, I don't even know how to paint a flower. This is awesome, you know? Yeah, and, and people have bought my paintings for like two hundred dollars, five hundred dollars. but um that slowed down. The more this pandemic has gone on, the lower the tips are, the lower everything is um i i did get that unemployment though but i'm very frugal and very thankful and i've sold a couple of things to keep going
0: and you have tenants Um, in your house
1: i used to but now i do not um because you can get it you know through the air and you mean um, covid you're talking about COVID. yeah Yeah. and they were not as careful okay now, is
0: your son's father in the picture?
1: Is he a part of his caregiving? Um, no, not at all, actually. He's anti-care. <laughs> okay. He, he, um, he didn't allow me to play music for 10 years when I was married to him. And so he's an alcoholic, and um, he was very mentally and emotionally abusive. Um, and so... Um, when I divorced him, that was the best thing I could have done for the kids. But of course they questioned my thinking because the the present parent is the one who gets all the, you know, (laughs) you know, the hate for things that didn't go their way. Um, but now they get it. Um, Robert, um, had talked to him just recently and actually his father had said that um, called him the n-word standing in line waiting for a handout and he's disabled
0: wait hold on i'm confused the uh, robert's dad called robert the n-word
1: yeah um and it's something that he said before you know um welfare baby and just mean things which it's crazy absolutely crazy but. He is, um, this is the guy who drank 18 beers a night and huffed glue, but had, was making $200,000 a year, you know, it's just been, it's been an interesting life, but I also never wanted the kids to hate him. And so I've always tried to say, oh, he's just busy or whatever, but this really broke, you know, and, and I... I said, you know, Robert, you never have to speak to him again. We don't need his help. We'll figure it out. We'll just figure it out. Because my love for my son is just yes. <laughs> Yeah. It's
0: and just you smart. have other children as well?
1: I do. My daughter Delaney. Um she is a singer songwriter, um, pole athlete. Um, she has a band called Sit Pretty, and she also had a comedy duo, adult comedy duo. Delaney in Paris, and there's words that they sing that I can't even write down. (laughs) It's pretty as a picture, and she's um, she's multi talented, and she's really a great girl.
0: You say pole athlete, as in uh, pole dancing? Yes, yes, cool, cool. I I have uh, interviewed a pole dancer on the show. It's it is definitely athleticism at its peak.
1: Oh, you should totally interview Delaney.
0: Saying, I watched the, uh, there's a, uh, I guess it would be the, the pole dancing Olympics, although I, that's not the name of it, but, and it is mind boggling what these people can do with their bodies.
1: Delaney has also done um, contortion. Freaky. I'm like, don't do that anymore. I think you're, you know, but she's, she's just really athletic. And the beauty of the pole dancing is just, It's just gorgeous. It's really gorgeous. It can be really quite stunning.
0: I I uh, like the the contortionists too these days. So many horror movies use contortionists for their scary moments of, you know, the creepy backwards walking down stairs or crawling out of television sets or whatever. Delaney can do that. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) there's a career there for people like that. So what is on the agenda for you moving
1: forward? Uh, Moving forward. uh, Well, During the pandemic, when it first started, I recorded a song called Human Connection and that was on the news. So I've I've been productive um, with music there and then I've written a bunch of songs and I'm going to try to record them and then send them out virtually to people to play on like I did that one and and try to create an album. Um, We don't know what's going to happen. Who knows. And uh, I, you know, I'm hoping for the best and I have a positive attitude um, and I just got to keep reminding myself, you know, everybody's feeling the same thing, I think. And uh, we're all like, what? And hopefully we can get this under control. And um, I I've been working on my van, so I'm making a new ceiling in my van. So when I go back out on the road, it'll be more warmer and cuter. Thanks. Nice. How can people find you? Uh, MelodyGuy.com. I have like seven albums on there and videos, or on my Facebook, uh, Melody Guy Music, or my Instagram, Melody Guy Music. Perfect,
0: Melody. Thank you for sharing your story, and I wish you much success and and healing, especially. Thank you. I think it's important to share these kinds of stories, as you mentioned, because. So many of us are going through things, and it's helpful to hear that we're not alone.
1: Yeah, that's a big thing. I know that it was hard for me thinking that I was. So the more I hear from other people, it's like, see, we're all here together, right?
0: Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Thank you. Great, hey, Human on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks. Bye.